0: Welcome to Horticulture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production, and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. Hello, hello. Uh, we are hi. back again. It's, no, don't say hi yet. I'm not done.
1: <laughs> hi, yeah. Hey, I wanted to get in with that. I'm like, hi.
0: Hey, guys. <laughs> i just, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Love you so much. I we are back. sans Brett, but pro Jessica and Jessica. I think you were the first time we've ever like our we've ever had a guest more than once. So if that says anything about how awesome
2: you are, I feel extra special. like right now, if I can
0: talk, yes, we're we're gonna have to have. Usually, uh, they won't
1: come back after they experience this once. So you're
3: the only one that's uh, ever agreed to fly. You're the only one. We just get a I microphone g- in the mail, and it's like, "Thanks." Yes, it's like <laughs> I don't want to see you guys ever again. Sure. Please
0: don't, please, please don't speak don't to me. To me. Yeah.
3: <laughs> emotional
1: damage engaged.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've got our uh, brunette gals back on today, and you know, Josh and Ray are here. Whatever, it's
1: fine. We're here,
3: whatever. But- yeah, the, the drones.
0: <laughs> the, d- the drones, exactly. From, from the last episode,
1: are- if you remember, owning are a constant listener. Your keeping reference. Our
0: drones, our drones. And then Jessica and I, uh just you know, killing it over here. But anyway, um we <laughs> Jessica said something before we jumped on here, and I was like, no, we gotta save that because I just think <laughs> everyone can relate to this. And if you can, honestly, are you even a human? I think you're an alien. Jessica, you and I have a particular thing that we take to the office with the intention of it not leaving the office, but it always manages to make it back home. And that is in our lunchbox. And w- what is that item? <laughs> um, that would be an apple.
2: <laughs> um, sometimes an orange, but maybe not as an often emotional. As an I, I call it my emotional support fruit.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then they make their Constant traveler in the mm. office.
2: And we get them out and we like wash them and set them mm. there. And we're like, hey, buddy, I'm going to eat you today. And then they go like back to our office. They're like, you're going to be the afternoon snack. Yep. And then yep. we find like cheese or like. Beef sticks or like Or she's kissing, whatever And so, then, yeah. you know, at the end of the day We're like, okay, buddy, get back in the lunchbox we
0: we'll see you again tomorrow, to home, to friend yeah.
2: I have emotional
0: support fruit And I also have emotional support yogurt Ooh, always, I used to have one of those It mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. travels to the office, it goes to the fridge And I'm like, you're my afternoon snack And then, yeah, I find some other garbage to stuff in my face I have emotional
1: support <laughs> Like bag chopped bag lettuce occasionally And uh, <laughs> it, it judges me From the bottom crisper that- drawer With brown eyes crying And weeping Yes. Say-
2: <laughs> Probably it probably
0: doesn't last as long as our it apple judges order. you no. as you eat your Taco
1: Bell. <laughs> no. The the <laughs> apple looks at the lettuce and says, You're next lettuce. So yeah, the <laughs> apple usually outlasts the lettuce. So absolutely. <laughs> Why do we do that? It's like, yeah, it's just in case starvation sets in, I guess. It's, it's like the it's last like ditch effort.
2: One of those things you see where they're like, I am not the same person I was this morning. And <laughs> I am the <laughs> Like When I wake right. up, I'm like, I have all these great intentions. I'm right. going to eat healthy today. I'm going to do all these things. And then you get to the office and somebody's like, oh, you're getting nachos? <laughs> well, oh, I let can me just can I just for
1: tomorrow. Tag you just on. basically go with a plan for people to derail you. You're like, come on, somebody say, let's go to eat. Somebody say, say yeah. Reese's yes. Cup
0: anybody anybody chinese yes. buffet that's Alethe and i oh yeah oh, she'll be like she'll literally come mouth, so she kind of like swings in with this like random amount of swagger that she has and she's like so Breezes i brought my in. lunch today and i look at her and i'm like i also brought my lunch today she's like but i don't want my lunch today. i don't want that apple. and then before okay. you know it somehow we're at the China Crab
1: <laughs> I cannot yeah, pass up a China maroon. buffet. I cannot. I can't. I mean, Mexican is great, but my original weakness will always be like the China buffet, which yes. uh,
0: I introduced Josh to uh, Crab Rangoon recently. Place. <gasps> yeah, just
2: recently. Yeah
0: yeah josh had never listen we went out to the fruit and vegetable conference and i said do you want to split some crab rangoons and he's like i don't know what that is i was like yeah like what
3: is that delicious it's it's just little pillows of taste before yeah that was great (laughs) Right, I yeah. mean it's fried, right? It's fried. yeah. I was like, oh, yes, uh, exactly. It's cream they cream drop cheese. it in bowl in, in yeah. a pocket of fried it, whatever, and I'm gonna be like, this is incredible.
0: <laughs> it's like a He hug was just like, up. I will take that. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so.
3: And it's all
1: about the sauce too. I mean, it's so many times oh, yeah. it's about the sauce. It's like yeah. a duck
3: sauce kind of thing. They, had I
1: think going so. On. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You we know, I, really yeah, I noticed one thing. There's no apples anywhere on a Chinese buffet. Usually, none that I Maybe like a dickboard. Maybe they've like cut one into
2: like a swan, and it's like. True. Okay, All right. You know,
0: true. Like, yeah. Yeah. They use that's, that's otherwise but, no.
2: <laughs> but what we are
0: talking about today, if you saw the episode uh, title, and you're like, "Are they going to get to it?" We're five minutes in. Is <laughs> is garden plan, garden layout, nothing garden super design. Specific, garden design, nothing mm-hmm. super specific. So just to start, I think a lot of times when we hear the word like garden two things come to mind. It's usually vegetables or small scale. So I think what we're taught, at least what I plan to hit on today was something that could be applied to whether you're doing cut flowers and also things that apply to large operations that you can also use, whether or not, you know, you're doing just like a small backyard garden. So I think a lot of the things we're talking about today really are applicable to everyone. Um, So, you know, hang around and join us for that. And by join us, I act like there's going to be a commercial comes on, but we're not sponsored. So
1: let's just continue where we were. What's about oh. the Apple Growers yeah. Association? <laughs> yes,
3: Make to sure to purchase your emotional support, support apple. But
1: I, I want to hear from you guys, not only about the many reasons why you don't eat apples, what's wrong with you people, but I want yeah. to hear from you guys, like personally, like I know you guys all grow things or have grown things or will grow things in the future, but some of your processes that go through your brain for your own personal or professional situations in some cases, how you guys kind of go about things when you're making decisions. Uh, We're kind of broad today. It could be commercial, could be for home, just whatever. I mean, like, how do you guys make decisions? How do you start forming this process in your mind? We talked about on the previous episode, when we start to get these garden seed catalogs in, my eyes dilate, I'm pretty sure. It's like I go into some kind of weird (laughs) trance-like state, and it's so much fun. It's the looking at those seed packs. It is so much fun.
2: You want three. to grow everything
1: in all the mail the things.
0: yesterday. Three in the mail. Oh, and I was gosh. like, I'm going to look through all of these. I'm, I, and and what,
1: I, what a wealth of that. Like each little seed pack represents such incredible like potential for the future. I mean, like it's incredible. One seed pack can grow so much. but And uh, we have local growers that, that they purchase so many seeds. They, they donate them back to us. And I love that. Uh, they're at the uh, local office that I'm in because I guess they just purchased so many and they have so many left over because a lot of the people I work with are, are smaller home gardeners, a lot of them. But yeah, the seed companies, they are good at selling their
2: wares. <laughs> oh, sure. yeah, I, I get seed catalogs for my married name and my maiden name.
1: Yeah, You're your double dipping, ma'am. Right? That and is not I allowed.
2: Them, like, <laughs> I get them at the office too. So yep. I'll get, like, I get three, three, of three of the same, of the same, catalogs. same catalogs.
1: Yeah, <laughs> And they're so bright and cheery on a dreary January exactly. Kentucky winter day. It's like opening sunshine in front of me. And then I start pushing buttons and ordering things. I mean, it's sometimes good. Sometimes not good.
0: My favorite seed catalog has no pictures in it. Is there such
1: a thing? What, what? Is, what is this? What a spreadsheet? is this? It, like, it, it's are it's we an heirloom about? catalog, isn't it?
2: It's an Excel file. That's what it <laughs> right.
1: is. It's an Excel file that you it hide from looks you know. Like
2: an Excel file, but in a catalog.
3: Notes term. red, pretty, pretty, love it. <laughs>
0: It is uh, for where I order, you can order veggies there too, but cut flower uh, seeds from and so I'm buying in like large quantities, right? And mm. so, um, you know, I'm spending $1,000 on seed, unfortunately, which really isn't that much for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, but you so. could,
1: that's commercially for you though, as well. Right, I mean, but, it's more than just home plantings. Yeah. Right.
0: It's, all in, excuse to feed so it's the addiction. all in Latin. So you have to know the Latin names and then there's like Ooh. really brief descriptions and there's no words and it just makes this me feel- Is this like a speakeasy so, for
1: wildflower seeds? Is this a speakeasy? So
0: like I'm like, yeah, I'm right. just open up like, my... like not pen.
2: everybody could read that,
0: right? right? Lupin, was,
1: what is that?
0: Like not to be, you know, Brad or anything because I well, also you know love, things. But, like I know things and this is the one time the things I know really come in handy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you <laughs> ever order too many seeds for what you are trying to accomplish, Alexis? And I say seeds, I know you deal with a lot of other bulbs and other planting yeah. plant tissue. <laughs> but, I have uh, yeah. really
0: tried to refrain unless I know it's seed that will keep for a couple years. Uh, So a lot of the seed that I work with really is only good for about a year. So I try not to like overbuy. Uh, So really thinking about my planting plan, which goes into what we're talking about today. So I do kind of a planting plan. I know, you know, I want to grow these things. I need at least this many plants, which means I need at least this many seeds. But for me, when you're spending $1,000 on seed, you really can't like spend a ton of extra (laughs) so you can't just buy everything and i still some you know i still get caught up in the but usually for me it's color so it'll be i'll have one or two things i experiment with uh every usually every year and then for me it gets the the color so i know i love a type of celosia and so i want it in every color and i have to like back off and be like am i really going to use that red celosia uh it's very very difficult but yeah talking about planning Plan first, buy second, and so I think so, usually we get that flipped. Usually we buy things first, and then we have to figure out where the heck we're going to put it. To how to personal attack,
1: personal attack. Yeah. You know, well, On you're me.
3: welcome.
0: You're yeah. welcome. So, <laughs> so but it, but it is, you know, if you're doing it, I think the better way to do it, and not that we're not all guilty of not doing it this way but is to plan first and then purchase after that but that's that's my two cents in it
1: you had an ex- an interesting experience i don't know how many years have you been in your current property there alexis i mean it's not been too many years to where mm-hmm. you guys purchased this farm and then you went through this decision making process of how to set the thing up that that is interesting to me how you went about that uh and primarily i guess i'm asking about the uh, flower, you know, plantings, uh, mm-hmm. your flower operation, but uh, like, how did you like look at the land and start making decisions? I mean, yeah, we're talking like about layoff where design you're and
3: beds and how you orient. Yes, those.
1: yes. I mean, how do you yeah. with a clean slate? Sometimes that's pretty exciting to me. It's a little harder sometimes it, to work with existing, but yeah, how did? Exciting process.
2: Yeah,
1: I yeah. yeah.
0: Just bought a farm too. Um, yeah, right Before you I did, so it's kind of the same. Like thought processes <laughs> can be really mm-hmm. overwhelming when there's nothing there
1: so if that's you it's like, exciting but you, some of the decisions probably that you make in the first what few months is going to affect you for the next 20 years as far as maybe your infrastructure like yeah I don't know, waterheads and is, access right, is and all thinking that thinking
0: about access to water and access to like for a commercial scale like your prop your prep house your washing station your pack mm-hmm. house i'm trying to minim- be as efficient as possible so i want to minimize the amount of space between what's in the field and where it needs to end up. And so that was kind of a big thing. In fact, when I was planning, when we bought this farm, I had every intention of putting main production fields in the backfield because it was prettier and I was mo- it was more protected from the wind. So that was like part of what um, my thought process was. But... Then, when it like push came to shove, and I started thinking about like we have to install water, we have to do all of these other things, it wasn't practical. So, I ended up putting them in our bottom field close to our barn where the water and packing mm-hmm. station would be. So, right,
3: you had so to be in a some ways, it's flexible. It was, yeah. I was going to mm-hmm. say, in some ways, it's like some things were already, some decisions were already made for you, like the location yeah. of the barn, and oh, you yeah. had to orient, you know, in proximity to that.
2: Yeah. And depending exactly. on your size. Can you get equipment in and out? right?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah that's a right get one. Your
2: equipment too. Like we have with our production, with vegetable production, we have a we kind of got forced into where we set up, you know, our stuff at originally, but we have a field that is not easy to. Get in and work the ground, or it'll because mm-hmm. we do, we lay plastic and do trickle irrigation. Stuff. Is it
1: like across and the it, creek or some some kind of restricted well, it's, access?
2: It's just how it's laid out, and there's gotcha. not a good clearance to turn a tractor around. Without oh
1: yeah,
3: yeah.
2: So, with planning, with that, you know, grow a lot of produce, but also starting to do fruit production, and said, okay, you know, that's hard area to work, so maybe let's put strawberries there. You know, something that's Mm going to be a permanent blackberries in that area, you know, something that's not going to, it's going to be a permanent crop, asparagus, Mm -hmm. if it, you know, survives, Uh, if it doesn't get (laughs) forgotten (laughs) about.
1: If it does survive, it will multiply. It's asparagus. Yeah. It's Jessica and I way. are laughing
0: because we both pulled. And if this makes you feel better of how many things you've killed, remember Jessica and I have degrees, and we teach people how to grow plants better. And yet we still both killed a very large blueberry planting. Like separate farms, separate experiences, yep. the yep. same <laughs> exact thing. So uh, if it makes you feel Wait, better, <laughs> it was a good support system for each other to check in <laughs> and then find each other's. Just like how many of you killed? There's at least 30 dead as we speak. So (laughs)
2: I'm like, okay, good. Cause I think I only have like four left.
1: So (laughs) I think about things like blueberries and you meant, you guys mentioned fruit plantings, that's when it gets real. I mean, it's one thing with annual crops, when you have tomatoes or peppers or whatever, that you can somewhat move around a lot easier. But when Mm -hmm. you get into more permanent perennial Mm -hmm. type crops, the the considerations for me go way up. You want to be really careful. You're looking at soil profile, look at orientation, you know, wind exposure frost yeah. drainage all of this stuff becomes mm-hmm. super important i mean and which one of you guys said you did you were looking was it jessica you are you guys are looking at like more perennial fruit crops both of you guys tried blueberries we're not going to count that we're just like <laughs> you say, should wrap that off we know what yeah. we did yeah. wrong so that, well, yeah. this, are you in mistakes and I learning from them? I have
0: plants left that are in that we dug up and are in pots. So thank you very much. Yeah, it's
1: not it a away. total loss. <laughs> not a complete think, and utter failure.
0: Josh, you have more like I know you mm. have a little bit more experience, but like in permaculture. So I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on that. But I know permaculture is like a hot buzzword that I think some sure. people like overuse or say overuse or don't yeah. use correctly or, but like yeah. or use as a term
1: for everything for sure. ultimately
0: yeah. it means that you want things to be the most efficient and to make the most like sense and that's what all of us in farming or yeah. grow with gardening are doing so like
3: just right call it
0: whatever it is but talk a little bit more yeah. about that
3: sure i mean from uh Like just to kind of clear up that terminology, because some people will just use the term permaculture to describe everything. And it kind of originates with this guy, Bill Mollison, who was in Australia in like 70s, 80s, was an ecologist. And he basically kind of looked at a lot of different production systems that had been in their place for like a thousand plus years and kind Mm -hmm. of evaluated them from like an ecological perspective to come up with like, what are the common things we see in this? And it is very much like an efficiency Mm -hmm. oriented system. And it's dictated by, I mean, like what we're already talking about, you know, like one form of production would be like annual beds and so mm-hmm. in a permaculture system those would be located you know in a certain proximity to the household close mm-hmm. i would say whereas like perennial systems or ones that le- need less maintenance would be located further out like they i think the big the 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 aspect of permaculture which is like hundreds of things you can get into oh yeah the one that makes the most sense to me for like design concepts and stuff like that is to think about the zone system which if mm-hmm. you think about it it's like kind of concentric circles where like, like your a house. Bullseye. yeah your house is zone zero and it's mm-hmm. the things that like you have to like touch and observe and interact with and have complex maintenance processes they're all located there and as you move out you get into systems that are like very low maintenance and kind of forage based often more times like perennial but like low maintenance perennials uh, Mm -hmm. things like that and so that's how that's how I'd kind of introduce that sort of topic of like permaculture
1: yeah there's a lot to that even for homeowners you're talking about you know a system that could encompass a lot of either you know home or commercial
3: it sounds like yeah but they can do really huge scale like kind of thousand acres under like permaculture management versus yeah a household Uh, like one of the there's a book that I don't let leave my house the permaculture design manual is like uh, the second edition was printed in like 1988 and only about 300,000 were printed. If you can find it used.
0: No I big deal. Buy it.
3: <laughs> Checking on I purchased eBay it when I was long. like a broke undergrad, but it's incredible. It's like, you know, several hundred pages with really large illustrations and stuff like that. Oh, kind cool. of describing, you can pick any climate regime and there's like, you know, several hundred pages on what your obstacles and opportunities are in that system. Um, you guys have already
1: it's... mentioned uh, some critical things to me, Josh. One thing is the things that need the most attention. You know, mm-hmm. closer to the house that that makes mm-hmm. great sense to me. It seems seems logical. And Jessica, you or Alexis mentioned, um, you know, water and how important that is, which kind of goes into what Josh is saying as part of the infrastructure. Both of those things seem huge to me, mm-hmm. as you know, as far as really practical design aspects.
3: Um, yeah. What for else? Sure. I, those resources, like, one of the things, oh, like, what you all were talking about with, like, annual production systems, or to get down to the details, like, your cut flower production beds, Alexis, like, mm-hmm. what kind of dimensions are we talking about specifically? Like, how wide are they? How long are they? Yeah. And is that kind of dictated by the mechanization you use? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, what and, like... My operation, if we just called it just called it annual operation, because I think annual flowers and annual vegetables can be treated very, very similarly and totally. can be grown in similar um similar ways. So like what Jessica's doing where they're laying plastic and her beds are going to be much different than my beds that are like more low till uh, and mm-hmm. I'm using like fabric that I'm using over and over. So like my beds are My annual beds are like four foot wide because that's I can reach two foot into the beds and they overlap into walkways. And uh, it's all about something that I could do on my own, or maybe need one more person for like big things. Like when I lay Mm. when I buy silage tarps, I buy a silage tarp that I can move with one other person, or I can move like with my tractor or my like my little walk behind tractor versus like some people will buy silage tarps that are huge because, you know, they've got four people that are going to help them move right. that kind of thing. Yeah. Totally.
2: That's so important. Yeah. To, like,
0: yeah. Know, so, yeah like,
2: right, like how, right. like if you are going to have that help for those things. Yeah. How mm-hmm. much help
0: you're going to have, like how much you want to like be bending over versus not or mulching versus mm-hmm. not like, like my peony beds are, I feel like a good example. I have a friend who, Grows a lot, grows peonies on a commercial scale like I do. Uh, and she some of this has to do with her zone, but uh we're similar enough where she does with the kind of soil that she has, she does mulch on her peas, like a heavy mulch system. And I have fabric down on mine. She works. She farms full time. I don't. So she has a little bit more ability to stay ahead of the weeds, to get the mulch down at the appropriate time than I do. So I have fabric down on mine uh, just because that's the system that works better for me and my soil is good enough where I don't have to, you know, add organic matter every single year in the form of mulch. So like there's a lot of things when you're planning, think of what you can do or what you and whatever help you're going to do, help Mm -hmm. you have are able to accomplish. And sometimes you don't know, like my four foot beds outside in my annuals, the reason they're four foot is because that's what I was doing. That's what the book said to do. I think moving forward, as I slowly change my systems, you know, with the time that I have and, you know, just. As your business changes, which it's supposed to, I'll probably change to like a three foot bed system, just mm-hmm. because I don't want to reach as far and like I'm totally. getting older. Like I'm getting yeah. older, you know. Like I, I'm yeah. just not able to do the things that I was doing before. Um, and I in my high tunnel they're more like a, you know, two and a half foot right now, and I really like that. So I'm thinking three foot would be really good. And every year I may convert. One or two beds over to that system, but uh, Jessica, you all have changed kind of some of the stuff you're doing, and on Jessica's kind of doing a much larger scale with their their operation.
2: Yeah, um, just you know, for us because we end up selling at farmers markets, and what we have changed over the years is just knowing knowing your limit of what to produce mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. finding those right varieties that sell. And kind of like Alexis mentioned earlier, is like, oh, I really love that red celosia. Do I need that mm-hmm. red celosia? That's like me and pumpkins. Do I
1: need pumpkins? <laughs> you need another baby <laughs> pumpkin. Yeah. No,
2: I don't. Do they take up a lot of space in your yeah. production system? Yes. So over the years, learning and figuring out what is taking up a lot of space, what actually sells, what doesn't sell mm-hmm. varieties that are good or bad. Or like you said, like, do I have help? help Mm -hmm. me I have help to help pick sweet corn you know that's a big ordeal when sweet Mm -hmm. corn is ready when tomatoes are ready it's a big ordeal to make sure you have help with that just like we said with covering we have strawberries on plastic this year and so we're getting ready to cover and so when we were thinking about that instead of doing multiple long rows of Mm -hmm. it my husband was thinking like okay how can we cover these easily if it's just mm. the two of us Block them out. and it's windy right yeah so he did shorter smaller blocks mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. plastic that he put them on so that we would be able to easily cover and uncover them when needed because you know the nightmare is to try to, one, in the to last couple them, of years right? you've had to <laughs> a
1: lot and cover <laughs> yeah. back up my multiple yeah. times yeah to that's find a great it, like, point blown
2: across the field Oh yeah. Or, You know, are we going to be able to even, you know, pull it across if it gets wet or something? With the use of row
1: covers, that's an awesome illustration of what we're talking about today is you have to really be careful. You have to know how many people is going to be working those covers. And it's just so much tougher if you have three really long rows versus maybe six rows that are half the length. It's usually easier to cover the block. Than it is the rectangle, it just kind
0: of goes like opposite of like if you talk and look up like really old manuals, like when they were doing right, you know the things that they wrote when you eighteen hundreds, the eighteen hundreds, but <laughs> like when you're the, looking when at that, when it was that, an
3: oral history of agriculture, yes. yeah, passed was, down, wrote
0: it down at some point, but efficiency-wise, it's more efficient to have like mm. for mo- depending on what it is, so like like picking and putting down compost or tilling or any of those things, it's more efficient to have long rows, right? Because going in one direction and not On a large scale.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But if you are like my beds, my outside beds, my perennial and my annual ones are in like 50 foot like blocks. So they're 50 mm-hmm. foot long and I could have done a hundred feet, right? Like I could have made them longer, but because I knew, you know, this is the equipment. This is how many people I usually have helping me. It made more sense to do kind of these shorter blocks um, that way. And to compart, I love the term compartmentalize. Um, I am a tree. I've said it before. I compartmentalize (laughs) everything in my brain. And like, that's how I do my farm. Right. It's sort of, Josh called them zones. I like call them compartments and it's the same concept, but I have these compartments where that's how I rotate through compartment. One, two, three rotates or, Mm -hmm. you know, this one has a tarp on it and they're all standardized. So I think standardization is more, I would argue maybe more important or one of the most important things to whatever you're doing, like standardize what, what it is. So everything is interchangeable.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: has been really important to like th-
2: how efficient my farm is and you mentioned having that rotation system being able to rotate a big one yeah those fields is very important we you know we do a lot of tomatoes peppers but then also a lot of squash uh, you know and being able to rotate those fields out for disease and pest issues and, and you know and like you said having it all standard right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's no big deal to you know keep track, keep records, which is right. very important with all of this thing. And Alexis and I talked about that over the break. I think there was one day when I was like, Hey, I found my very original planting <laughs> records that I ever made from like 2012. Was it a journal? Our first, our first year. I do have a garden journal as well. Oh, but you and Alexis was,
1: both. Okay.
2: Yeah. And I was like, wow, we have come a long way <laughs> since, you know, that very first one, but it's nice. And it's humbling to see, you know, where you started where you're at now but having reminds me put it down on paper or
0: however you do things like if you're the person who likes to draw it on your ipad or put it onto an excel spreadsheet or whatever whatever that is put it down on paper and i do like many renditions like i i'm a paper pencil person and so i'll do many different like renditions of things and so if you're planning even if you've already bought your seed no judgment it happens it's okay plan it out and things will change. Like I look at my planning sheet every year and what I said I was going to put in this spot isn't always necessarily exactly in that spot because the plants just weren't ready and I had to get things in before storm or, you know, whatever, but it's close enough. uh, And it helps me year to year to plan, to do that rotation, to figure out like, Oh, like for me, height is very important. I mean, it's important vegetable production, right? Cause you don't want anything shading out something else. Right. And, so I'll realize that this new variety of Celosia I tried is much shorter than the other varieties that I've grown. So I'm going to grow that on the other end, and so that it doesn't get smothered by in between these other two varieties in my row. Like mm-hmm. things like that, you can by making having a plan, you can just kind of star those types of situations. It that's doesn't a good
1: have- point, Alexis. Even it's the, even though it's the same plan on paper, you know that that specific aspects of that variety. Mm-hmm. One may be more aggressive. So, and that all goes back to record keeping. Uh, that's a great point because a lot of times uh, tomatoes a tomato. Well, there's a big difference between like mm-hmm. a patio and a beefsteak or something. And, you know, the, the subtlety like that is, I guess, what you have to capture in those records, whether you're talking about flowers or veggies or whatever. Yeah, that's a really and good point. We all
2: get busy and, you know, mm-hmm. by the end of the season and then we, ha- you know, have this I tell myself
1: like- I remember. I'll yeah, remember yeah, no, I remember it. No, I won't. Biggest a
2: lie I it. tell myself. Yeah.
1: I have no <laughs> idea what we, I had for supper yesterday. No clue. No yeah, clue. you'll be
2: looking at these seed catalogs, and you'll be yeah. like, okay. But you know, a lot of times you'll still get like companies will send you like, hey, this is what you ordered last year. You know, mm-hmm. did you, you know, do you want to just reorder that? Do you like that? But then you have to sit there and be like, did we like that? Was that yeah. that <laughs> tomato that was beautiful but tasted horrible? Was mm-hmm. that the one that if it rained it like busted or had horrible disease issues? Yeah. You know, and you got to go back and take note of those things. Especially, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, for personal, like if you just have your backyard garden too, you know, you don't want to continuously grow things that are tasty.
0: Like or your, your family birthday.
1: won't eat. Yeah.
2: I've started
0: because sometimes I just I don't like taking notes on my phone. I'm a weirdo and my yeah, husband always yeah, judges totally. me for it. And so sometimes yes, we're all
2: weird because we don't take notes. Okay. Yeah, that I don't. I,
0: you know. There we go. I hate it. So sometimes I don't have my like little notebook with me. And so what I'll at least do, and we're pretty much all in the age of technology, is – I'll just take a picture because that picture has a date on it Uh and then like it might be something as simple as like putting a thumbs down next to the tag that like (laughs) says the name of it and then I know and so then when I'm ordering I might just go back and be like well I know Solosha was blooming in June and so I'll just go to June and find that photo and I'm like well I put a thumbs down so I'm not going to order that again like it doesn't always have to be something and then maybe you transfer that to your notes or whatever but make it as simple As possible because you won't do it if it's not simple and that's the same for your gardens like put your garden beds close to the house like Josh said in that zone zero or zone one. Mm-hmm. Because if you see it, you'll deal with it. <laughs> if you right. don't see it every yeah. day, you don't deal with
1: it. Yeah, that that's uh, important for like home gardens especially because if you don't see it, you're either not going to water it, you're not going to know the pest or a right. problem, you're not yeah. going to know that the shiitake mushroom sitting under the shade tree. where oh, that's that's there a and gone.
3: perfect example because that, that oh, happened to that me so with times. like. I mean, I was working on basically somebody else's farm on leased space, so it's like nowhere near where I live. You know, like I'm getting mm-hmm. the car to drive to a place and yada yada, but I. I had, you know, I had set up a bunch of shiitake logs, and instead of putting them in a place where I would see them every day, it's not mm-hmm. like they need to be prominent, and it's not like they need to be daily managed. But you need to look at them, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. routinely, yeah. or you're going to miss it. And like that, mm-hmm. absolutely happened to me. You know, Very like, discouraging miss, like, when you go flush. and see those
1: little mushroom mummies, and I'm like, <laughs> no weeping right. there in the woods oh, under the yeah
0: one more. You know, Freeze. Even they're in my zone zero. They're literally out my back door. But the door, that specific door, I have a bajillion doors. I live in an old farmhouse, so I have a, like a bajillion doors <laughs> everywhere. But because we don't use that door very often, even though they mm-hmm. are quite literally up against my house, I yeah, missed yeah. a bunch of them. Yeah, you know, they were little shriveled mu- mummies. So like. It's not just.
2: I need to go check mine Right.
1: <laughs>
0: just.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Not laughs> yeah. It's soon. Because it all happens so one fast of those with fungus.
3: But yeah, yeah. I- I- you could. If you have to walk to past it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you have yeah. to walk past something that's even tomatoes you could use tomatoes as an example if you're a homeowner obviously you you're not maybe looking as, as often but yeah I had that happen with like rabbits down I've got a garden next to the creek and and it's down out of sight because it's the only spot I have it sunlight mm-hmm. exposure is okay but the rabbits were just mowing stuff down the last <laughs> couple of years and I'm like Mr. McGregor here I am yelling you know uh, at the rabbits and but I, I was not looking as often the only time I was going down this when i was watering and mm-hmm. i was hand watering it's a small plot you know you go down there and check stuff out every week the week was weekly was not enough the mm-hmm. rabbits must have sent out a text or something to their <laughs> rabbit buddies and it's just like no, the we mushrooms really i mean on
0: tuesdays we got the, you know, rest of a, the week. yeah
1: damage was done things happened. decisions <laughs> were made exactly but yeah the mushrooms i've done that josh so many times and just timely things like that if you're not looking at it and you don't have to actually pass it every day that becomes an issue especially with these small plantings but uh, mm-hmm. a, qu- a question for Jessica you and Alexis going back uh, specific, specifically Alexis I know with you but how does the size of equipment and I see this you know with my local producers, but how does that determine like layout in some cases with the actual size of the equipment that you're working with that makes a difference also right I mean what yeah, alleyways yeah. and things driveways yeah, you guys Josh I know you have experience here too
2: so like I said, like we use we do a plastic layer, right? And we have like a three foot or a six foot tiller that we have off our mm-hmm. tractor. So we be able to get that in and then do proper spacing. So we are doing like three foot beds and then having at least two or three feet in between rows. Don't quote me on like exactly how that, you know, is but and then we're not we don't have any other equipment to take down the rows except maybe a tiller, or we do sometimes like what Alexis mentioned, where we have fabric that we reuse every mm. year that we roll down in between the roads to suppress mm-hmm. weed pressure yeah but i know alexis is using much smaller equipment you mm-hmm. know it's easier to handle and get in her high tunnel mm-hmm. oh that yeah, does, yeah that high does tunnels. Play, like a really big factor in like what size lot mm-hmm. you're gonna have and like the one i mentioned before like We tried it like one or two years, but it was such a pain to try to get a tractor into that one other spot. Did you guys switch up equipment
1: or like smaller base equipment?
2: That's when we decided, okay, we're going to put our perennial crops up here.
1: Gotcha. Because we don't need to be
2: trying to go in here. It's such a hassle. So that was like one of the plans with that. But definitely the size of the equipment you have. And, you know, do you want something that you can easily manage yourself Right. Mm-hmm. That you can do by yourself, or do you want something larger, like with the plastic layer? You at least need three people. I mean, mm-hmm. you can do it. Yeah, I've seen people do it by themselves <laughs> Try to do it by it's, themselves. It's
1: a yeah, total. It <laughs> right. Jump on but, and off the tractor you know, a while an
2: ideal situation. You need at least three people there to do it to be efficient and so you're not doing it all all day. Right. Um but that's a big factor in you
0: know, layout. Even even if you're not using, like, I, I'm sure there's several of you on here that are saying, "Well, I don't do any mechanization." A wheelbarrow is mechanization. Yeah, like, oh, Even right. if you're doing Your no till, no till gardening or yeah. something, you yeah. need to be able to get that wheelbarrow to fit down a row and to turn that wheelbarrow around, just mm-hmm. like you would a tractor. Like the same things apply. You know, if you're, if you've got a wagon that you're putting harvests, whether it's a, pu- you're pulling it with a truck or you're pulling it by hand, can you fit your wagon down there? Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have to be even tractor
2: and size. That's to- a good point too about harvest. Oh,
0: like,
1: oh harvest it. Your, your like, driveways getting, are huge. Yeah. You know,
2: getting, how close can you get to your garden, even if it's mm-hmm. like your own little garden? Because what are you growing that's going to be really heavy? If you have like a yeah. big bumper crop of something, zucchini, or you, you forgot about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> if you. I checked it yesterday.
1: Now it's eighty-one pounds. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's Magically a good, great, great point.
2: Get watermelons that the raccoons don't scratch apart and eat all of them. Right? <laughs> like, how how are you going to carry those? Mm-hmm. Carry those out, right? Where in Take my case, flowers have to be in water, so I'm
0: lugging buckets of water. You know, totally, and that can be heavy. So even though flowers themselves are light, and for optimal vase life, they need to go directly into water as soon as they're harvested. So I'm not carrying pretty baskets of flowers back, as most well, people imagine. <laughs> <gallon> <laughs> skipping yeah. through
3: the fields. Yeah, yeah, skipping
0: in my sundress, like
3: frolicking. the
1: Danish sunsets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: frolicking around. It's not
2: you know you're not sweating at all. Never, it's, you know. it's never
0: hot at a flower. It's like field. sound of
1: music meets flower farm. It's, form, dirty, it's you know.
2: exactly
0: what it is. I sing yeah. a lot. Birds. Tend to land on my shoulders and help t- with me. Snow
3: White. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they they bring they you your hat harvest. and like settle it on your head.
1: <laughs> but the, the, the driveways were always our biggest thing. Us guys were advocating all the time for dad. We're like, let's add some more driveways in because we didn't want to carry anything another inch more than we had to. And he's like, yeah. that is so wasteful. So we were always going back and forth between efficiency and wasted space. So mm-hmm. we wanted always more driveways, more alleyways. And dad was yeah. like, no, we're not adding any more. And I'm like, but dad, it would save us steps and time. And he says, get in the truck. You know, we right. yeah, had this discussion back <laughs> and enough. forth. And it's a balancing act. And it, and you know, those things evolve over time on an operation, your driveways and your access points and stuff. Right.
3: right. If you have bigger fields, it's a big deal. I think balancing act is a good way to think of it because it is that it's not necessarily that it's like wasted space, right? It's just space that's not in production. Yes. Becomes immediately mm-hmm. good critical point. for like, you know, your actual process and harvesting and all that. Yeah. Like I remember one of the first farms I worked on had this pathway system where it was like, they would have three foot wide beds and then a three foot wide pathway next to it. And it was like kind of, you know, these strips that were probably like 100 feet long or something like that. And it was plenty of room to get in between with like wagons and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And it was pleasant to work. And that's why Mm -hmm. they did it. Right. Yeah. And if we really needed to, we could open up more of it, but we didn't need to. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. You'd be amazed. It's one of those like work with what you got situations. You're always, it's always amazing how much you can do in such a small area Um, in horticulture production. I think especially Mm
3: -hmm.
1: intensity is there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can have like I mean I know I talk about flowers a lot, but I think even in veggie production, depending on what you're doing, you can be a quote unquote commercial farm, like be a full time farmer making your only income source on an acre. You know, you can't say that in other areas of agriculture. Like you can, Mm -hmm. if you have an acre of tomatoes, like I'm praying for you because right, right, that's a lot. It's a lot. Can be a
1: lot. (laughs) Yeah, been there, done that. That's a lot.
2: Are always shocked by that. Like when you say. We grow, like, a lot of tomatoes, right? Mm-hmm. And they think, well, you think, you you know, you're like, I grow 800 tomatoes. They're like, oh, my gosh. They're thinking, like, when you see row crops, mm-hmm. right? But it's, it's <laughs> right. not. It's on way less than an acre.
1: Yeah. Like that's a lot tomatoes, of tomatoes, though.
2: But that's a lot of tomatoes.
0: That's so a lot of
1: tomatoes, like- yeah.
0: That's my favorite when you have like row crop farmers who are or you know maybe they did tobacco or whatever so these kind of like traditional ag guys that transition into horticulture crops and they're always like ah oh, i'm probably gonna put in like three acres of you know watermelons or sweet potatoes yeah, because you they can tell their background a
1: little bit hundreds yeah.
0: and thousands of acres sometimes so when they do it and you're like I wouldn't recommend that. And they're like, oh, it'll be fine. And, you know, they have all the equipment. They have sprayers. They have all this stuff. But then they do it. And after that season, they almost always decrease. Like
3: I tell them yeah, they don't they don't really make like a tomato combine. You know? no. Yeah, like
0: it's not. <laughs> not
3: not readily. I say 10 times less space
1: and 10 times more labor. Labor yeah, like get that right? gets you close. So yeah. it's the 10 by rule. I'm like, they're like, what? Then you start to talk about labor and the conversion factor is pretty rough between row crops and, you know, horticulture (laughs) production can be because we've got a long history of row crops in the state of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Horticulture, not so much, even though we have a great horticulture production in the state, it is a different language. And the scale, Alexis, say, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the scales are just amazing when people are, they really have to, you can tell people's backgrounds of, of production based on how they talk about things. They're like, yeah, that's all the back 400 acres. I'm like, they're not tomato farmers. <laughs> yeah, right away, they're not tomato even farmers. Even the back
0: 10 acres is not a tomato They're farmer. not tomato, yeah. Right. Maybe pumpkin growers
1: not tomato farmers, yeah. <laughs> (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But uh, yeah, the functional layout uh, and I think about things like sweet corn, we get that question a lot with newer farmers, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, between as far as, you know, like pollination issues and long rows versus uh, square blocks and, and things like that. And worried about cross pollination, there's a functional design aspect to, uh, you know, big and small farms here in Kentucky that you need to consider when you even thinking about pollinators or if you're growing pumpkins, I guess, just, uh, just, There's specific layouts depending on how aggressive and how big the vines get and all this stuff that you accumulate, all this knowledge over time on layout. So the record keeping becomes just so very important. Or if you're planting blueberries that live. Sorry, guys. If you're planting blueberries, you probably want to have those together. And to me, blueberries, I don't think about the plants. I think about the end game. I think about the netting. I base mm-hmm. blueberry layout, yeah. not on the plants, but on how I'm going to get nets over those things. That's a good so, point. So, you know, certain crops like that, it's, yes, it's about the plants, but it's also about, you know, the special requirements like netting, or if you have organic production that you're going to have to pull, you know, fabric over, that's mm-hmm. all that goes into the consideration and that's considerations beyond the needs of the plants. So, yeah, it's interesting.
0: Jessica, do um. Do you put any thought? I, sometimes it's easier said than done to be able to. It's a luxury to be able to put in thoughts on how your rows run in a field, it's like the direction they run. Oh yeah. Because it's not. Sometimes it's not always the way the slope is it's not or east, whatever. East west right. yeah, it's,
1: for like, maximum. Yeah. Sun do you
0: have you all? Is that something you you were able to put thought into and in, and do or?
2: Um, kind of. Well, where all all of our stuff is now is just kind of like that was our only option in the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It was like one of those things we've made it work. Mm-hmm. The other fruit plantings before we decided that we were going to make that other location, the fruit mm-hmm. plant, like we were able to pick with that because of the, how the slope was and mm-hmm. everything in that area. We're like, okay, we're definitely putting fruit up here because they're higher up. We don't want them to be down, you know, right, low with cold air and all of that. But it was one of those situations where like, okay, at the time before we actually owned farm, Far, real farmland mm-hmm. you know this this is our our options because prior yeah. to that we were further away from a water source mm-hmm. so that was a real determinate you know factor yeah it was like we're now close to a water source and so yeah that's,
0: that's how the, we yeah the we, i mean
2: we keep saying water source but
0: and like ray even said he had to like hand water and he didn't go see his garden. so it was his garden. I'm gonna pick on you Ray because you've been picking on me about my blueberries.
1: Absolutely. So Ray
0: did everything wrong in this situation. Okay. He put his <laughs> wouldn't garden wouldn't
1: be the first time.
0: He put his garden away like further away from home where it's out of mm-hmm. sight, out of mind, and he had to hand right. water it, which hand watering is fine, but he's hand watering something he's not looking at regularly.
2: And hand watering can be very to carry? tedious. Buckets of water,
0: exactly. It's yeah. Yeah.
2: degrees. That's like outside. one of the
3: biggest, like, labor sinks in like all the developing oh, world horrible. is dragging water to the point. Yes. Of-
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah. I, every
0: time I <laughs> hand water something, which I hand water most of my transplants when I put them in, just because I feel yeah. better. Like, I th- I think I just. I think it saves me money in the long run, but I cringe every time I do it because I'm like – Do you do it with like
3: the beam and the two cans on either side? Yes,
0: absolutely. Oh,
3: absolutely. (laughs) Maximize your strength ratio. I'm not even
0: doing it that bad. I've got a hose and good pressure, and I'm not lugging the hose all that far, but it makes me mad every time I do it because I'm like, there's got to be a better way.
3: But – I can see the black and white like infomercial in slow mo where you're just dropping everything, <laughs> throwing it down, and walking into the sunset. How,
0: I'm literally falling the over passion. the hose. Yeah, <laughs> just the it's like one of those um, spray nozzles, and it's flying up in the air like mm. one of those like wacky,
1: um,
2: <laughs>
0: like a fire
1: hydrant hose that's like knocking people down, <laughs> just rolling around yeah. and screaming. Water's and baby is such Oprah. a big <laughs> issue. It was, cra- and that was a great. Um, I'll plug the fruit and vegetable conference if you if you. guys listening missed that and you're here in Kentucky you missed a good meeting but one of the breakout sessions was uh, water on farm water management it was very interesting hearing from these larger commercial producers how they've creatively kind of manage water and think about water. And it's kind of the foundation of their farm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, those producers, new producers outside of the state, of course, as you go into the West and larger scale productions and water rights becoming more of an issue. It's just incredible here in Kentucky. We're blessed with a lot of awesome water resources, but mm-hmm. man, they base their operations. One, one person, one of the biggest in the state producers said, you know, I base my production off the number of ponds I can build. And totally. it was really interesting. It was totally, totally interesting. And where he put those ponds and how that affected his pumping mm-hmm. capacity, distribution system, so on and so forth. Fascinating. Yeah. But oh, man, total that, farm That's well. a
3: huge topic in permaculture uh, design yeah. is about like ponds, pond location and the use of topography. Because like mm-hmm. a pond at a low point is easy to build. But it's a huge investment to be able to put a pond or some kind of water storage system up at elevation. We had one of those on the farm I grew up on. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it was a farm that was a pond that was a catchment basin,
1: actually, for a reclaimed strip mine that had fully, you know, went through succession. Trees had grown up, but the pond still was there and didn't really fill up with sediment.
3: So Mm -hmm. we were
1: able to take advantage of this high elevation pond and it fed several of our fields and we never had to have a pump. We just did gravity Gravity. flow and
3: it was probably ran a quarter mile up into on the mountain. We had incredible pressure. It's like a battery. It's like so much potential energy stored up there. When I was uh, working out West on this, uh, at this outdoor school, kind of like Western New Mexico, you would see a lot of these farms where they would put you know, a large gravity tank up on the top of a mesa and it was connected to kind of like a windmill sort of system that would be pulling water way up and then just keeping it up there for when they need it. Cause they definitely, you know, you still need water. You need to even kind of periodically flood fields to deal with like salinity issues. So Mm -hmm. the capacity and ability to deliver water anywhere at pressure at large volumes, is like, it, it runs your whole life. Mm-hmm. I think we had like 90 pounds
1: of pressure at the base. We had to use a pressure <laughs> reducer wow. with no pumps yeah, whatsoever. Totally.
3: And mm-hmm. we had
1: huge capacity and huge pressure because dad would go from a large pipe down to a smaller, and just the the elevation drop, you know, you calculate that out now, um, you know, easily to calculate the pressure gain, but it was yeah. insane pressure, but we we did not know what a resource we had. It was awesome. Yeah. It was great. And with no maintenance whatsoever. Right. And it was clear water. We didn't even have to run a sand filter on it. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, back in, in
0: the 1800s, there wasn't the pollution there is now. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> Our mules well, that were yeah. in the barn that we ran the line through, and this is a true story. They love that water. <laughs> it's mules that I plowed with. <laughs> there are smaller fields. I plowed the, with those mules. I did. That's That was our answer in the eastern part of the state. We had a, just got a lot of smaller fields, and you could not mm-hmm. turn our tractors around in them and when i was younger that was my first job is i would plow those small tobacco fields i would hand cultivate those with our mules Makes and so sense. Our- three and five yeah. foot plows. Yeah. Because you couldn't turn tractors in them. And dad gave me the profits from those. So I was super multi- motivated as a yeah. like a 10 year old. I was like out there <laughs> working mules. I was 10, 11 years old and had a team of mules and man, we made some money back. I learned very quickly farming. If done correctly, you could make some money on it. So yeah.
0: If everybody just imagined like baby Ray with a team of mules, I'm with you. I did.
1: big fun it's big fun essentially (laughs) I imagined
0: his son because they're twins and I just laughed like Reed
1: would be riding the mule not working the mule he would (laughs) definitely be riding the mule yeah but that uh, I mean sometimes you just have to be creative in these situations and take advantage my father was so good about taking advantage of topography or Mm -hmm. taking advantage of these small fields that normally you know would go by the
3: wayside and you know he was really good at that. So yeah. I so appreciate that. To, I, I want to give. You want to think of obstacles as opportunities when it comes yeah. to like topography and stuff.
0: Yeah, little if it's a, a little shadow. I'm going to eat through it. <laughs> a little shout out, I think NRCS can do a lot of help. Um, yeah, they doing can. visiting your farm and looking at topography, uh, and looking out maybe where a pond needs to go, or you know where a hedgerow can be helpful. And hey, mm-hmm. by the way, we have grants for this. So. You know, I know sometimes it can take a while to get them out there because they're so, there's not that many of them and they're kind of running a couple counties at a time. But uh, reach out, especially this time of year, if you're kind of in a planning phase, have bought a new farm or wanting to expand. And they can help you think about, you know, the way the wind's going to come. You know, how do you set your high tunnel up or, you know, something along those lines, where to establish perennial rows, things like that. So just kind of giving a shout out and those, you know, NRCS is nationwide, so no matter where you're listening from, you should be able to to contact your local. Are they are they called agents? What are they called? NRCS are like
3: technical specialists. I don't know. Yeah, Call them agents. Whatever. Um,
0: We're agents, so we we like that term. But um, so contact them; they can be really helpful. Mine just called me the other day and was talking about some some opportunities uh, that we could uh, have on the farm on areas that we don't want to mow anymore, and how do we make that work for the environment and things like that. So so that was pretty cool. But I think we're going to wrap it up. One other episode I wanted to we we talked about kind of irrigation. Uh, We have an episode on like low flow irrigation and. Mm Collecting water and stuff like that. So if you've not heard that and that piqued your interest, uh, go back and check that out. I don't remember what episode it was.
3: Late but- summer 2023, I think. So
0: Okay, yeah. I think it's called like low flow irrigation or something. Uh, that, yeah, that was there.
3: aired in September 24th. Rain nice. barrels, rainwater catchment, low flow. It was awesome. a good one. I enjoyed yeah, that. One, that yeah. was a
0: good one. So even if you're doing like small scale, you got a couple raised beds, you want to water or, uh, you know, if you're going large scale, like I want to put one on my high tunnel to water the high tunnel this year. Um, she has big, big goals, big hopes and dreams. Uh, but things like that, you know, check out that episode and I think we are kind of wrapping this up. We should have Brett on, uh, next time. Not that Jessica wasn't amazing and I want her back all the time. But if you've been missing the sultry voice of Brett Wolf, he will be back (laughs) with us uh, on the next episode. But... We're glad to have you here. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram, Hort Culture Podcast. You can shoot us an email. Uh, that's in the show notes. If you have ideas for episodes or you know, want to know about something cool or, hey, if you want to be on the episode, let us know. We've had some people reach out on Instagram and we're like, I do this cool thing and can you talk about it? And by the way, if you want me on, so that sounds fun. So- reach out to us we're always eager to hear that and uh, thank you jessica for joining us once again uh, because you're wonderful i needed some feminine energy up in here so thank you for that thank you for joining us check us out next week we're talking about more cool things more plant things because this is the hort culture podcast and that's what we do here have a great day thanks for being here